0: Thank you for listening to the calvary church podcast if this ministry has been a blessing to you would you let us know send an email to my story at toledocalvary.org we would love to hear what god is doing in your life today uh, well thanks for being here today we're so excited to spend some time on sunday with you welcome to those of you guys who are here joining us in auditorium Two. if you're watching online or maybe even joining us through television Uh, It's a great day to be here at Calvary. Um, I said er, the first service, it's kind of weird to not say, hi, if you're new, my name's Leah. Stop at the new here area. Um, I love getting to greet you guys so often, but it's such a special treat to get to spend a little more time with you today. Uh, As we talk about what the Lord really, I feel, has placed on my heart for us as a church today Uh, Thanks, Pastor Keith, for giving my uh, back-to-school push. It is such an important time for us to fill the coffers, if you will, uh, with school supplies. Guys, 50 cents for crayons right now. I don't know if you know this, but they're not 50 cents all year long. And I think today ends the tax-free weekend. Uh, But we buy as much as we can right now because we fill a huge pantry that allows us to go into our schools. We have four adopted schools this year, and we're adding another one And so um, when you guys help me in August, it helps us all year long. So thank you guys so much for always being willing to fill up those red bags. Um, A couple of days ago, I took all of the stuff you guys collected in the last collection and I drove over to Springfield to say thank you to them for Serve Week. And so I knocked on the the big boss's door and I was like, I got some presents for you. And uh, I don't think he knew what to expect. So um, me and some of my friends, we took wagon after wagon after wagon into the administration office of all the wipes and the lice kits and the snacks that you guys had donated. So thank you so much for being a part of that. He just kept saying like, there's more coming, there's more coming. And I said, yeah, your friends at Calvary wanted to say thank you for letting us hang out with you this summer um, and just to wish them a great start to their school year. So thank you guys so much for being a part of that. Uh, But it is weird to think that it's August. Did anyone else flip the calendar and like not remember what happened to July? Like I've done a poll. I've asked a lot of friends. None of us were here for July. Like, I don't know what happened. It sped by and it is August. And like all you guys are going to start posting those really cute back to school pictures. And then it's like, oh, it's almost time to start Christmas shopping. But you guys, these back to school photos you guys do are going above and beyond anything that people when I was a kid did. You know, like, well, there was no social media that made a big difference. But you guys with the props and like the new outfits, you know, and the kids get all their fresh haircuts. And you post those, like, before and afters, like the beginning of summer, the end of summer, and we see how much they've grown. Uh, but I thought, you know, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Jordan, he did some good before and after fails, some of those baking fails. So I thought I would show you some before and after of first day of school fails. So today, let's look at some of these kiddos. Right. They go back to school. They're ready. I mean, <laughs> look at how good this kid looked when he walked out the door. Does it? And then I realized as I looked at this picture... He doesn't even have all of his shoes. So this kid came walking back in and the mom was like, what, you literally lost some of your clothing along the way. So we have another one here. She looked good, she was ready. Listen, I did not live in the era of going to pre-K. What is happening in pre-K? This girl like had to do like a ninja warrior course while she was there. This girl here. I don't think she's going back tomorrow. The face tells me I went once and that's all that was necessary. And then finally, our winner, this girl, talked to someone in first service, they said, we send our child out as a princess every day and she comes back like a caveman. And that I think is what's happening here. This girl, she played hard, she showed up and she she did not conquer. The recess conquered her. So, no matter what your back to school photos look like, or maybe your return home from school (laughs) photos look like, there is a buzz in the air because it is back to school time. You cannot walk into Walmart without smelling the wax of the crayons or seeing all the kids scurry around getting their photos or their folders and all the things that they need. It is everywhere at this time of year in our communities, in our societies, we all know it's back to school. And it brings with it some good things. You know, a lot of your kids are going to go home and stop eating your food all day, so that'll be nice, right? Your pantries won't be empty as fast. And there's a lot of good things about going back to school. It's kind of like a time to reset. We get to get back into a routine. Maybe it can kind of help refresh from our summer, our summer wear out from doing everything we could. But I think what happens sometimes is that that excitement of the first day of going back, it starts to wear off real quick. And a lot of our kiddos, our students, our teachers, people who are running our schools every day, the realities of every day set in real quick. And sometimes it's not always, it's not always the best, the best thing that happens. So today, as a church, I want us just to pause for a moment, and we're going to consider some of the challenges that our communities, our schools, and our students are facing as they go back into the classrooms But then I want to make sure that we talk about how we as a church can fill in those places and how we as a church can make a difference and how we need to show up to be part of some of these challenges. And I know this topic is not always applicable to all of us. Some of us don't have kids or maybe you have finished that season in your life and you've put away all the backpacks in your house and there is no more back-to-school shopping for you. But I think that no matter what season of life that we are in, we as Christians need to play an active role in what is happening in our community. And so I would challenge you that as we go back to the basics today and we talk about some ABCs and some one, two, threes to help us, man, I would just encourage you to have an open mind and to hear the things that the Lord is maybe speaking to you, even if this season seems a little far off in your particular world. So today we're gonna start with our first set of ABCs. They're gonna be shorts, They're going to be a little heavy, so buckle up, because we're going to talk about some things that are kind of hard today. And I know that some of the things that we talk about, maybe uh, it's a very overarching statement, right? Some of the things we talk about, maybe they don't affect you right in your house, or maybe the school where your kids go. But I know that as we talk about these things, we know that it's the reality for so many students as they walk into the classrooms this year. And so our first letter A that we're going to talk about today is a tax. So many of our students, as they walk through life, as they walk into their schools, they will face all kinds of attacks. Some of them are physical, the violence, um, the, the shootings that we hear about. Some of these things bring physical harm and maybe even death. But there are so many more attacks that are happening in our students' lives each and every day. When we talk about some of the physical violence, this really overwhelmed me when I read it, but Since 1999, when Columbine was one of the first shootings that I remember as a kid, over 300,000 students have been faced with gun violence in their schools or their classrooms. That's a lot of kiddos who are having to think about things that I didn't have to think about as a kid, who are having to contemplate, is this the right time to go to the bathroom? What's happening outside my hallway? And it's sad to me that they live in a world where some of those things are happening, But the attacks go beyond the physical. When we talk about bullying, when we talk about social media and cyberbullying, talk about religious persecution, panic attacks, the list goes on and on. As Christians, we know that the devil is out in this world seeking whoever he can to destroy. And sometimes for our friends who maybe haven't yet had a chance to have a walk with the Lord, they don't know how real this is, but he especially goes after those that are vulnerable. And who's not more vulnerable than our kids? Our small ones, our young ones. First Peter 5.8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Schools are no longer just providing an education, but teachers and staff are having to work extra hard to combat all the attacks that our students are getting from so many different places. And so that is our first letter, the letter A, attacks. And then as we move into the ABCs, next comes the letter B, for those of you who don't know. But for letter B, it really struck me that so many of our kids are searching for belonging. We as humans, we want to belong somewhere. It is one of our primary needs in life, to belong In 1995, a professor of psychology published a study that talked about the desire to belong. In his research, he found that of all the people that they studied, that the ones who were the most healthy, that they were the most satisfied in life, were the ones who had a place to belong. And so we as humans are always searching. There's all kinds of places that we can belong. We have all through our society, there is clubs that you can join, groups of people you can be a part of, sports teams. You know, all these different places. Even our stores have figured out that we need a place to belong. Isn't that true? How many of you guys can pull a Costco card out of your pocket right now? (laughs) Huh? Because we want to belong somewhere. Guys, in 2020, Costco made $3.5 billion just on those of us who carry around a little plastic card so that we can be like, oh, yeah, I'm a Costco member. I belong somewhere. I have a place to belong. And so we look at all of these ways that we as adults can find a place to belong and our students are doing just the same thing. Maybe they don't have a Costco card yet, but they are looking at school amongst their peers. Where can I belong? How can I fit in? And when they do this, I think at their young age, it can cause a lot of stumbling. Because as we put our foot down in one place and hope that it's where I can belong and maybe it's not and we try another place, it can kind of create this stumbling blocks through our lives. We see this playing out as students maybe get into unhealthy relationships, maybe a codependency, a boyfriend or girlfriend. Sometimes it's easy for us as adults to look on and go, oh, that is not going to work out well. But they're just looking for a place to belong. We see it with the impact of peer pressure, wanting to find a place to fit in, to do whatever someone says so that I can be part of something. Those who struggle with their sexual identity And even some of those people who maybe are looking for a place to belong and go as far as to joining a gang or other groups who are not the right place to belong. I think we even see this as people, as kids, students, especially in high school, have to start heading into adulthood. It's hard to want to make that step to become an adult when you don't know where you'll belong when you get there. And so it's easier to just kind of scooch back to where you already understand, what you already know, so that you don't lose your sense of belonging And so everyone struggles with these kinds of transitions, but as students, it's so hard for them to figure out who they are and what their identity is to find a healthy place to belong when there's so many moving pieces in their young lives. I think to myself, what if we as the church could step up and be that place of belonging for them? What if we as the church could find a way to provide that stability, those safe places for them to step and to be a positive influence and learn how they can belong somewhere that makes a difference. So A, our students are struggling with attacks. B, they're looking for a place to belong. And C, they are struggling with constant change. There's nothing surprising to us as adults, right? Do we not know that change is gonna happen? I think they say the only constant in life is change. Change will continue to happen. But when you are young and you're still trying to like figure out life and changes start happening, it's hard to navigate it all. And then, heaven forbid, we add in a pandemic, right? So now I'm trying to figure out how to negotiate or navigate change And I have to now figure out how to go home from my school closing, learn online, go back to school with restrictions. Uh, New waves of the pandemic come, our school closes again. There's not enough staff at my school. And all I'm trying to do is learn how to read. This is a lot for our young kids, our elementary kids, our high school kids to try to learn how to do life when there is constant change. When it comes to finding a place to plant your roots, when you have constant change, it becomes very hard to find stability and to find a place to build your foundation. So as we go into school this fall, I think to myself, man, what if we could help to stop the change? What if we could help to be there through the change and continue to provide them a place where they can put firm footing and so we talk about these ABCs, these are not easy ones, these are the heavy ones. The attacks, the sense, wanting a sense of belonging, the not being able to deal with the constant change. But I, by no means, am an expert in this area. And so I thought today as we talk about these things, I'm going to invite some of my friends who call Calvary home, who deal with this every day in our schools. So can you guys help me to, to welcome some real professionals when we talk about students and schools? And my husband, he's a good chair carrier. Good job, babe. <laughs> well, guys, thanks so much for being with me today. Um, could you just introduce yourself to our friends and let us know kind of what role you get to play in students' lives?
1: Sure. Good morning. My name is Yolanda Johnson. I'm the principal at Longfellow Elementary in Toledo Public Schools. It's the largest elementary in Toledo Public Um, We have K through 8th graders, and we have 600 of those bodies. Um, Guys, 600. (laughs) That's a lot of kids. At home, I have three of my own. Um, My husband and I, we have um, a daughter who's 23, and we have our 18-year-old twins.
2: Good morning, everyone. My name is Nick Niederhaus. I'm a principal at Wayne Trail Elementary, which is just a stone's throw away in Maumee City Schools i um, going to my 18th year in education. I've been a teacher, a coach, a dean of students, assistant principal, and and now the principal. Um, and I have two kids, a um, seven year old and a five year old, and my wife Raquel, all attending here. And um, I think that's it from, yeah. Yeah,
0: I think that's a lot. Okay. 18 years. You grades guys, four and
2: five, yeah, <laughs> grades four and five at <laughs> my building. Grades four and building. five
0: yep. at Wayne Trail. So you guys see some of this stuff happening every day inside your buildings, in your classrooms, in your students' lives when we talk about. Things like attacks and trying to navigate change and finding a place to belong. Man, I would love if you just, you know, kind of quickly, or maybe you have a specific story, can just share how you see this playing out in the role that you get to have. How you see this playing out in students' lives.
2: I would say some of the points you've already mentioned with mental health um, is a big factor. Social media is a large, large factor. I know we'll talk about that a little bit. And just the emotional instability that students come in with, I think those are the things that I see students as they enter the building. And one of the analogies I heard, um, and I'll use it here, is adults too, but especially students come in and they are like doused or soaked in lighter fluid. And sometimes when they come into our buildings, uh, and sometimes it's just a, a match, spark, or an incident that happens and sets them off. And that can be alarming and students struggle a lot, especially with all the changes that are occurring and they're not sure how to deal with those. So part of our job is to help students through that and train our teachers through those processes and give them tools to help students each and every day. Mm -hmm. Um, I know one thing that we try to do is train our teachers in social emotional learning. I'm, I'm sure many of you who are in school previously uh, probably did not take a social-emotional learning class, <laughs> and when we do that at our schools, uh, we want to equip our teachers and our students with those coping mechanisms and, and even just breathing techniques that help students go through situations um, with a little bit of ease and some other resources.
1: We see a big problem today that, that none of us grew up with, and that's our social media Um, and the influences that that it has upon our our students. Um, It disrupts their behavior, it disturbs their sleep if they're on their social media in the evening. Um, It gives them an unrealistic view of the way that others are living and the way that that maybe they they should be living. Um, So in order to curb that um, at school, we obviously have to battle that um, each day, and, and we want our students to know when to put down that social media. At Longfellow this year, our students will be passing their phones to their teachers as soon as they enter their classrooms, um, because those, those phones need to be put aside so that their education does come first. Mm. Um, so encouraging your own students, or, or anybody that you know that may be in school, that there's a time and a place for it, and and school should not be the place. Um, So that's that's a big drive that we have in all of our schools now is with um, battling and, and making sure that education comes first over that social media influence.
0: I think when you know in my era, or those who are younger than me, is we dealt with some of this stuff in school. And then when you went home, sometimes there was a bit of a reprieve, a bit of a break, because they didn't all follow you to your house. But anymore, with the access that our students have to being essentially connected to everybody 24-7, some of these things that we talk about aren't just happening in the school, but surrounding them all day, never really giving them a chance to have a mental break or have an emotional break before it starts hitting them again.
2: And I was preparing a little bit for today. I read some statistics. It's out of Columbus. It's called the Rocks Group. It actually asks questions of females and girls. And uh, 10,000 um, girls were surveyed, and along with that, uh, average six hours a day online or social media. That was 2017. That was five years ago. So you know that number has gone up, yeah. um, and with that has also caused some some issues, as you um, alluded to. But they said if they go to up to eight hours, they um, signal that they have more depression and they're more sad more more frequently too, which also leads to they go from fifth grade to senior year in high school. Fifth graders have a lot of self-confidence. They said about 86% of fifth graders are very self-confident. By the time they get to seniors, they're about 60%. And then in your fifth grade year, about 20% uh, want to change their appearance, which is pretty low. Senior year, they're about 65%. Uh, mm-hmm. Girls want to change their appearance. And um, I can't help to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to believe, you know, that's, that's probably because of what they're seeing yeah, and, and what, sure. how they're say, taking in information from social media.
0: So we know that there are these challenges that we're facing every day in our communities. And so my other question to you guys would be, where are spaces that you see, whether it's in your school and other schools, uh, in students' lives, that we, in particular, we as the church, can kind of come alongside? How can we help you guys, support you, fill some of those gaps?
1: Uh, Most schools have some type of tutoring program or or supportive way that – volunteers can come in and assist at Longfellow. We have mentors in schools um, where five days a week we have volunteers that come in and read to our students and work with them one-on-one on on their reading deficits, particularly in grades two and three. Uh, We're also involved in in a wonderful ministry that um, runs through Calvary as well, which is called Keep Watch. Um, We have a group of women who pray at, at Longfellow and they walk through the building once a week and they pray for our students and our teachers. Um, They pray before school, which is really neat because then they stop at teachers' classrooms Mm -hmm. as they're getting set up for the day and they ask them if they have any specific prayer needs and the teachers get to know these ladies and and they, they drop off different things throughout the year. Um, that can support the teachers in their classrooms and and they know specifically what prayer needs are um, needed at our school. Um, So that keep watch group is not only at Longfellow but it is at other schools around our area and those are certainly groups that you can get involved in.
2: For for me, to add a little more context, so before I say the need, I'll say some of the statistics, too, as I go that route again. Um, What I see in my school, and I I think it's prevalent, I don't mention statistics because they're out there, because I I see it on a daily basis. Um, It's really the fatherless society that we have. Um, and our mothers are doing amazing things. They can't do it alone. Um, Some statistics with that too, we have 85% of students that have behavior disorders do not have a father at home. Uh, 20 20 times more likely to have a behavior problem if you don't have a father. Um, Going along with that, there's 71% of student dropouts do not have a father at home. Uh, Then you go to 90% of inmates are males, and 75% of them do not have a father at home. And then last one is unfortunate with youth suicide. 63% or so um, do not have a father at home too. So five times more likely to commit suicide. So when I say that, yes, it's alarming. And what can we do to to help that? Um, Going with social media and and taking a step away from that. But that face-to-face interaction is crucial. Uh, Whether you're a father figure or not, it doesn't matter if you're a male or female, having that consistent presence of someone that they can talk to they can look look to to get advice from, to encourage them, to motivate them, to coach them, whatever you want to say. They that's what our students need. They need that face to face interaction with people that are walking through life, some that can kind of speak life to them, and that's most important piece that I see. I know we've had some Calvary volunteers at my school the past few years, which has been amazing. One happens to be in the audience today, and uh, he is you know during his work schedule he'll he'll come in and just be with students during lunch and recess time play with them talk to them and hang out with them and that's just so amazing things like that do make a large large difference and i know he's gained a lot of insight as being a father himself um with that experience too so that's huge and then last thing is you mentioned uh, a prayer right so we cannot, cannot pray enough and um with that just uh uh, we do a small prayer as well on Monday mornings at my school, some of our staff members and myself, and uh, just praying for staff and students, but especially our staff who are, are worn out, and uh, praying that they have strong backs and they have strong faith going into the school year to get them for through. Sure.
0: Well, guys, thank you so much. I know that this is an extremely busy time of year, and in the next week or so, you will have a lot of little lives coming to your building, and we're so thankful that you took a few minutes with us, but also for the impact that you guys make in your kids' lives Every single day. Calvary, can we say thank you to them so much for coming up and joining us today? Thanks, guys, so much. I don't know about you, but it's really helpful to me when I hear real stories, right? Because we can talk about things that we've heard somebody else say or talk about things we've seen on the social media or on TV, But to have people who are walking through their halls every day and watching their students struggle really helps me to want to fight harder for our students. It makes me want to pray harder for our students. And so we walked through some ABCs that are kind of some of the challenges that we're seeing. And so now I want to walk through what are some of the ABCs that we can do as Christians in our community, as adults who have opportunities to make choices, What are we going to do to help with this? You know, when we talk about some of these hard challenges, it can get really overwhelming. I find myself, like even as I'm doing this this week, I'm like, I I think I need to do A through Z. There are so many challenges happening, but it can start to feel a little overwhelming and it can start to feel very dark, like it's a deep pit and you wonder, how can we ever help to make a change? I'm so glad that we have a God that stands besides us and helps us through the hard times. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so as we jump into this next ABC, we don't do this alone. We do this with God walking right beside us and leading us and opening doors for us. So let's talk about what God has called us to do, and then we're gonna spend a few minutes talking about what action we can put in place So for our first letter A, when we talked about students being attacked, we're going to talk about how can we be advocates? How can we stand in the gap? The definition of child advocacy involves standing up for the rights of children who cannot stand up for themselves or who have been victimized or mistreated in some way. We have a chance to stand in the gap, especially when it comes to dealing with attacks. The physical, the emotional, the mental... Proverbs 31, 8 through 9, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And there are so many ways that we can stand in the gap for our students, but the one that really struck me this week is thinking through and thinking about some of the foster care things that we as a church have been able to do in the past. When you look at the number of students in Lucas County that are in foster care, it obviously only makes sense that they're filling our school. Hundreds and hundreds of kiddos who need a place to live because where they call home is no longer safe or functioning for them. And so through the years, Calvary has been able to walk alongside some amazing foster care ministries, some amazing foster care families to say, how can we hold arms with you? How can we help make you stronger? I know that we're not all called to be foster parents, but I think that we're all called to help those who are doing the work. And so we think about ways to stand in the gap. This is an easy way to say, who can I help? how can I walk alongside a family or a child who is part of our foster care system and part of our school systems? And when we stand in that gap, and as we are an advocate, it reminded me of the greatest advocate that we ever had in our life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but he will advocate for us and give us eternal life. So when we have had this chance to have the greatest advocate, does it not give us the right and the power and the authority to be an advocate for somebody else? When we talk as kids, we often train our children about the, uh, about the armor of God, right? We talk about when you get dressed in the morning, put on the armor of God. And I was thinking about how so much of this armor can protect us from some of these attacks that we've been talking about. But what about, our, what about the students and what about the kids who have not yet had a chance to know Christ. The students who haven't had a chance for someone to introduce them to the Lord or to walk them through what wearing the armor of God means. And so as I was reading in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 12 through 16, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you might be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand... Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And here's where I want you to listen. Verse 16, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the shield of faith. Do you know what we get to do, guys? We get to take up our shield of faith and help to defend those who don't have faith yet. We get to use our shield of faith to stand in the gap and be an advocate for a child who does not know how to do that for themselves. And so we have this great armor that the Lord gives us, and we get to use it to, to cover others, to protect them, and to be their advocate. And so when we talk about attacks, I hope that we as a church learn to advocate for our students, for our schools. And then we talk about B. When our students are searching for a place to belong, what can we do about that? We can be builders. We can help to make space for others. Building, uh, it's not easy. Did anyone build a whole house this week? No, it's a lot of work. It takes time, right? It takes resources, it takes patience, but it takes a lot of time to build a place for others, to build a community where people can belong. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking for your own interests, but each of you to look for the interests of others. It's hard work. It takes our time. It takes commitment to say, I'm going to build a community for other people to have a place to belong. And one of the ways that we can put this into action is in our schools. Uh, Nick and Yolanda both mentioned having volunteers who come into your schools can make all the difference for a child who has no one to, to do that for them at home. It can make all the difference for a teacher who doesn't have the extra hands that she needs in her classroom. And so I would encourage you, if you've ever thought about joining one of our teams that goes into our schools or maybe you have extra space in your life, or ready, maybe you're ready to make extra space in your life, you can go online and read about our teams that are going in and help join us as we start to head in this fall to help to build a place for kids to belong and to feel like they have a place to call home. And so we talk about advocating and we talk about being builders for other people, and then C brings us to being consistent in a world of constant change, we can be consistent. We can show up and keep showing up. One of my favorite verses in 1 Corinthians 15 58, therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Being consistent is not fancy. It's not flashy. It's just showing up. Over and over and over again. Whether or not you feel like you're making headway, whether or not you feel like it's working, whether or not they say hi to you when you get there. But being consistent helps to battle against the constant change. And these aren't once-offs. This isn't just the show up, you know, do something fancy and walk out the door. It's the coming back over and over again we talk about uh, some of the work that we've done at Nick's school. We had a team that used to go in, um, and they would have lunch with the kids. It had a real fancy name. It was called the Lunch Bunch, eh? Real fancy. There was nothing fancy about our Lunch Bunch. You brought a brown paper bag with your lunch in it, and you sat with a kid who had homework that wasn't done yet. And when you're only in fourth and fifth grade, most of us can get through some of that homework okay but these are the kids that had no consistency anywhere else and so i had a friend she she was a lunch buncher she would go in and she sat with the same kid every week working through homework working through homework working through homework i went in probably about 4 weeks after we'd been doing this and i talked with the school counselor and i said so how's it going and i like i didn't expect any fancy results it had only been 4 weeks and we're it's like one lunch period it's not i mean how much can you get through And he said, oh, it's actually going amazing. And I said, oh, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, your one little girl that your volunteer has consistently shown up for. She's gone up two letter grades in the last four weeks. And I was like, you're lying. There's no way. We'll keep coming. You don't have to tell me false information. He said, no, I'm telling you. Her grades have gone up by two letter grades. This kid had no consistency in her life. She didn't have a mom and dad at home that were reading with her in the evenings or making sure she had done her homework. She didn't have any grandparents who were showing up to ask her how her day was. She had no consistency. And so one volunteer who brought a bagged lunch with her one day a week for 45 minutes and just asked her how she was and helped her finish her homework, helped to raise that girl's grades by two letters. Consistency is key and it helps us as we battle constant change. So we advocate, and we build for others, and we're consistent. But most importantly, we shine in a dark place. Matthew five fourteen through 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gets light to everyone in the house in the same way Let your light shine before others so that you may see good deeds and they will glorify your Father in heaven. Why do we do all of this? Why do we love the 419? Why do we go in schools and volunteer? Why do we collect school supplies? Why do we take a whole Sunday to talk about this? And why do we worry about students who aren't ours? They don't live in my house, they're not my kids. We do this because we are the light of the world. We need to let our light shine so that others can see it, not for our glory, not to say, good job, guys, good job, Calvary, but so that people will see our deeds and that his name would be glorified, that they will see our loving and our giving and our serving all for one reason, so that his name could be glorified and that they can find a relationship in Christ. And so we shine. We shine in dark places because some of these things that we're talking about, the attacks, the bullying, the lack of stability, the constant change, these are hard and dark things. But I know, I know a light that can shine through any of those things, and I know a light that can make a difference And so today, as I challenge us to think about those first ABCs, but more importantly, let's remember the second ABCs and how we can start to make a difference, I want to leave us with a one, two, three. So we have our ABCs, but our one, two, three is going to be the way we pray. And so I want you to think about this. If you haven't taken notes yet today, that's not a problem, but these are the ones you should write down. These are the one, two, three that I want you to remember for the whole rest of the school year so that when you're driving by a school or you're stuck behind a school bus, instead of getting frustrated, you take some time to pray these three things. So number one, we're gonna pray for the leadership in our schools, for the staff that lead our students every day, that godly leaders would fill our schools and that teachers would be refreshed and ready for this school year. Number two, we're gonna pray for our students, that they would find healthy community, That school would be a place of peace for them and that God would protect their minds, their hearts, their physical bodies from all of the things that they face each and every day throughout the whole entire school year. And then number three, we're going to pray for families, for the families of the students, that they would have a desire to be an active part in their students' lives and that there would be a visible change in our communities because of families who are stronger and more engaged. So I thought today I'm going to pray with us. This will be our first prayer of the school year, all right? And then you guys are responsible for all the other ones on your own, in your car, when you're driving through the community. So would you bow your heads and pray with me today as we pray for our families, for our students, and for our leaders. Lord, I thank you that you give us this opportunity to stand in the gap, Lord, to be an advocate for the leadership of our schools, for our students, for our families. Lord, I pray that your hand would be on each and every school that stands in our community. Lord, I pray for the leaders, Lord, for the teachers, for those in administration, that you would refresh them, that as they walk into these doors this fall, Lord God, that there would be a physical change in the building, that the atmosphere would change, that your presence would be alive there, Lord God, that people who don't even know you would be able to feel something different. We pray for change in these schools. Lord, I pray for students, Lord, that you would protect them, that you would keep them safe from all the arrows that the devil throws at them. Lord, I pray for not only their physical bodies, Lord God, but their emotions, for their mental. Lord God, that you would place a covering over each and every student in our community, that you would help them to learn the things they need to learn this year to catch up from the things that maybe have been held back through the pandemic, Lord God, that we would see students thriving in our schools this year. And I pray for families. Lord, for each and every family that has a child, Lord, for those who parent well and for those who do not know how to parent, Lord God, that you would be alive and active in their homes. Lord, I pray for not only great parents, but great aunts and uncles and grandpas and grandmas, Lord God, that we would rally around each other, Lord, to help as we raise these children, Lord God. So I pray for our families in Toledo, in Maumee, in the surrounding areas. Lord, we give you all of these things for our school year. In Jesus' name, amen. It takes a village to raise a child. Have you heard that phrase before? We hear it all the time and people use it in all kinds of ways. It's an African proverb that when I lived in Africa, I saw it acted out all the time. I would move through uh, villages or small communities And I knew that there was a lot of kids that didn't have mom and dads because a lot of the kids would tell me, I don't have a mom and a dad. And so I would think to myself, you would think with all these missing parents that there'd be like a huge foster care system or there'd be like an orphanage in every village. But rarely did I see those things because they truly act out the African proverb is that it takes a village to raise a child. And so if there was a kid who didn't have a parent, somebody took them in and acted as their parent. There was a kid that didn't have something to eat that day. Well, you just, you pulled up and brought a plate and you had some food that day. If there was a kid who didn't have a place to sleep, you just made space. And that kid came and lived in your house. And I would always be meeting people who'd say like, oh, this is my brother. And I'd say, I didn't know you had a brother. And they're like, well, it's not really my brother. It's like my uncle's cousin lived across the street, the lady down the street, didn't have a place to live, grew up in my house with me the whole time. And I was like, oh, I see what's happening here. We're a village and we're helping to raise kids. And so Proverbs 22.6 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. Guys, read this verse again. Train up a child in the way he should go. It doesn't say train up your child, it doesn't say train up my child. It says train up a child. We are the village. We are the village of our city, of our towns, of our schools. It is our job to come in and say, where can we help? What can we do? God gives us opportunities all the time to be the village. And we have to actively be involved so that kids' lives can be changed. There was a lady who went to our church. Uh, they moved since this time, but seven years ago, they came to Toledo for a job. They left their family back in Pennsylvania. So no kids were here. The grandkids were back in Pennsylvania. And pretty soon, Edna came up to me and said, hey, I think I want to join one of your teams and volunteer in the schools. And I said, all right, come on, let's go. So I took her, I got her plugged in and she would go once a month and then she would go twice a month. Then she'd go, you know, like once a week. She'd go twice a week. She ended up landing in one of the kindergarten classes at first because she started noticing that this kindergarten teacher was like barely surviving, right? You got 30 kindergartners, like no one should be alone with 30 kindergartners. And Edna's like, I'm not doing anything exciting. I mean, I'm like, you know, tying shoes and making sure the back of the classroom quiets down. You know, the one kid needs a red crayon. I go find him his red crayon. But because she was in that room, she was able to let the teacher do what the teacher needed to do to teach. So then she started going more and more. And I remember being in the hallway one time, I was dropping off some school supplies and I saw her like moving around the building. And I was like, Edna, did they hire you? You're like here all the time. She's like, no, I'm just, I just volunteer all the time Edna would be there. And so towards the end, one of my favorite things about Edna is her and her husband, they had started um, training service dogs in their home. And so she got to combine her two passions. She would take her service dog and take him into school with her. And as she read to the kids, we got a picture of Edna and one of her kiddos. She's celebrating whatever word she figured out how to read that day. When Edna left um, and the service dog finished, the whole school threw a party. The dog had a cake in the shape of a bone. There's a book at the school with Edna's pictures and the dog's pictures. Edna at this point was serving in like volunteering in the second grade. All the second grade staff members in Edna have matching shirts and the dog has a bandana that matches also. Edna saw an opportunity to be a part of the village. And so she got involved. She didn't have kids. She didn't have grandkids in this school. She wasn't a teacher, but she knew that she could give what she had and she could make a difference and so she stood in the gap she built a place for kids to belong and she showed up consistently
2: and so my challenge
0: for you today Calvary is just to say what are you gonna do this year how are you going to shine your light into some dark dark places each of us has opportunities they might look different in my world compared to your world but we can show up and we can help to advocate for these kids and to build a place in community and to be the consistency that they need. So today I wanna to pray over us as we go and that the Lord would just kind of drop these things in our hearts as we drive through slow school zones and get stuck behind school buses, that we would remember that we have a chance to make a difference, to be the light in our community. So as we pray today, I wanna to pray for a couple of groups of people. So if you work at a school, I would love if you could stand up so we could pray for you. If you're a teacher or an aide, if you drive a school bus or make copies or dish up food for kids, I would love if you could stand so that we can pray for you today. And if you're a parent who is sending a child to school, I want you to stand to your feet as you get those kids ready and you make the best first day of school picture possible. I wanna pray for you and cover you and your families as you send kiddos into our local schools. And then thirdly, if you go to school, if you're in here and you're gonna be in school this year, whether you're going to pre-K or graduate school, if you are working in school or going to school this year, I want you to stand up so that we can be praying for you also. Calvary, look around, look at how many these people are involved in our local schools. Can you reach out a hand to someone that's near you as we pray today? Lord, I thank you so much for this new school year. I thank you for fresh starts, Lord God. But I thank you most for the opportunity that you give us as the church to be alive and active in our community. Lord, help us to let our light shine this year. Help us to make a difference. Lord, help us to find ways to build community for our students. I pray for each person standing today that you would cover them, protect them, Lord God, that there would be safety as they go into the buildings. Lord God, that they would feel your peace and your presence and that more than anything that people would see the difference in them. Lord God that as these people as we teach as we lead as we attend school or God as we help kids as we send our kids. Lord help this to be an amazing year in the 419 in our schools. Lord help us as a church to rise up and to make a difference and to make an impact. We give you all these things in Jesus name. Amen. Well, I hope you guys have a great school year. Thank you for hanging out with me today and we will see you next weekend.